You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. All right, y'all, it is finally that time. We talked about Harrison Ford. We talked about Jack Ryan. We talked about Star Wars. Now, now it's time to enter into my wheelhouse and talk about the man, the myth, the legend, Wes Craven himself. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the SG Drive-In. And for this monumentous occasion, I'm joined by a special guest. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, man? What's up? If you guys listen to my horror podcast, Abyss Gazing, you guys know me as Josh. If you guys listen to my mental health podcast, you guys know me as Captain Nostalgia. I so so Dally and Celeste told me that you had those two worlds melded, and I I think it's fantastic to, the the mental health world and the horror world, absolutely. Yeah, so we also do a uh, a horror podcast, if I can plug that, or not horror podcast, a horror uh, film festival as well. Yeah. Um, so if any of your uh, f- listeners happen to be uh, screenwriters or filmmakers or actors, we are currently accepting submissions for our 2023 submission uh, season. Uh, it will be held on April 14th and 15th uh, at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia. And that is the first time that I've ever actually announced the date to this as well. So nice. there's an exclusive for you guys. Fantastic. So we've covered a whole gambit of, of different drive-in movies, different blockbusters. We've covered what a blockbuster is. But all along the way, we have been asking one very important question. question. So I will go ahead and ask you this. You're at the movies. You're getting ready to see a flick. What's your go-to snack? My go-to snack is always got to be uh, uh, cookie dough bites. Oh, yeah. Every every time. I don't know what it is. I, I used to, before they switched, my, uh, my go-to was always cookie dough bites and cherry Coke. So nice. it's my two things. Nice. Yeah, I, I, am a, I am a cherry Coke fan at heart. I absolutely love cherry Coke. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and, uh, and crack into this. You know, Wes Craven is one of those guys that has been, um, man, he's, he's done a little bit of everything. And I, and being, uh, being a nineties kid, I, I grew up on his stuff. We were talking before, before we came on air, you know, I, I was like five the first time that I ever saw dream warriors, which is uh nightmare on Elm street part three, and then nightmare one scream, scream two, so on and so forth. So what was your first introduction to Wes Craven? Uh, I'm also a 90s kid. I grew up in more of a conservative household, so like horror wasn't accessible till I was like a teenager and like well into adulthood. Um, but my my first one was Scream. Like I remember, like I caught it on. Uh, we had like a free trial of like Showtime or Stars, and I like when I my my, we, my sister and I turned 13, we each got a television in our room. 
with a cable box. And so I just remember like Thanksgiving weekend stars or like one of those premium channels had played uh, Scream 1, 2, and 3. And I just watched them all. And I was probably like 14. It was like I was just enthralled. And I didn't get to like really crack into any other Craven uh, probably till I was like 17 or 18. And of course, I went for like a Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, oddly enough, the only other <laughs> uh, movie of Craven's that I had seen is like his anomaly which is music of the heart. Like I was probably like 12 when I saw that movie. Right. Um, and all I remember about it was like it, Gloria Estevan and NSYNC did a music, music video for it. And I was like, Oh, okay. It was, it's very weird to know that you go from scream Two that to scream three. Right. Well, it's funny to me that, you know, this, this conversation that we, that we're having has this, you know, when you talk about horror uh, directors, it's kind of rarefied air, especially in, in this generation of filmmakers. And a lot of times guys like John Carpenter will also enter into this conversation. That's, that's like a one A and one B sort of situation for me as far as as far as just some of the absolute best to do it. And, you know, it, it's funny. A lot of these guys have these anomalies in their in their uh, their portfolio where, you know, you see some of these tentpole movies that while they might not necessarily uh, you know, be the definition of a blockbuster per se. You're talking about guys that created IPs. I mean, New Line Cinema is literally known as the house that Freddie built. You know yeah. what I mean? Like New Line was nothing until Freddie came along. And then, you know, same thing with with John Carpenter and and Halloween. He created this thing that's that's now lasted for generations. And both of these guys have these these movies uh, also attached to their CV that are just, you know, anything but horror. Yeah, it's interesting because Craven is kind of like ebbs and flows to where like he has these like really grounded pictures that are like oddly enough like based in like reality and like history with like you know his first two features last house on the left the hills have eyes and then you get into like the 80s and he's got it going this like more fantastical route with a nightmare on elm street um you know fred uh new nightmare uh and then um shocker which is vastly underappreciated in my opinion Agreed. um but then you like then you get into like other like hidden gems in his career like cursed and like swamp thing like say what you will about swamp thing like i i love that movie and all of its cheese like i think it's one of his like more interesting pictures to talk about because it doesn't necessarily feel like a west craven movie and that's really what i like because you can see something like that or like red eye where here are movies that you know like you said like this is the guy that like brought freddy and ghostface to life and can like do these like really just terrifying visions of terror, but then like turn around and do like camp and like wholesome movies as well. Right, right. And so, so this conversation was originally born out of doing, uh, covering what are considered blockbusters from 
um, the years that the various hosts were born. And one of our esteemed hosts was born in 72, which was the year for Last House on the Left. And so, you know, you look at a movie like that, right? That was, uh, you you want to talk about hardcore, y'all. You know, if you're going to go and watch, watch Craven <laughs> stuff, go watch Craven stuff. But seriously, just just be aware of what you're watching. It's it's not for young eyes. You know what I mean? I sit here and talk about how I was so young watching Craven stuff that like viewer discretion is absolutely advised yeah. before watching that that sort of thing. But you go for something like you go you you watch the pendulum swing from something like Last House on the Left that's just I think the best way to describe that movie is mean. That movie is just a mean movie. And then you go to something like Swamp Thing that that tackles nuanced, you know, subject matter. And you can kind of pick that apart a little bit more to find more of the underlying themes, especially for somebody like me, who's the resident DC guy out of the group. I absolutely have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. Because like, you're welcoming in truly, uh, you know, for for specifically like the last house on the left. Like, I mean, that is probably one of the most brutal movies I've I've ever seen. Uh, and that and like I spit on your grave are like two movies that I'm like, if you ever have to like really want to be a completionist, but like they're movies that like I don't necessarily recommend just because of the subject matter. Um, it's probably actually those mo- those particular two movies that like I don't like to like uh, advocate or like watch movies that deal with that subject matter. Um, not saying that I won't stray away from it, but like my uh, both my parents were victims of sexual assault, so like that movie hits really hard for me from a from a different angle of mental health as well because I've seen what that journey is like on the other side. And I think Swamp Thing is a really interesting, uh, like blip on his career because it's the you know, it like I said, like it's a little bit deeper. Like yes, it's by today's standards, it's kind of hokey and it's kind of campy, but you know, it was kind of a movie that was kind of showing like the actual like terror of pollution and other things as well that kind of fall in on that and that was kind of the like first time that he kind of uh, attacked i don't want to say social commentary but like it was kind of um it's kind of a lighter version of social commentary than the last house on the left yeah yeah when you look at the whole the whole breadth of of west craven stuff you know i i remember the first time that i ever watched Last House on the Left. I was in my teens somewhere in there. And, you know, if you're looking at, if you're, if, if you've got the volume knob, right, I would, I would put Scream somewhere in the probably six, seven range. You, Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm a little biased because I was, I was young when I saw it. And so <laughs> that movie, that movie did freak me out at points. But like, it, it was still you're still maybe looking at a at a seven somewhere in that ballpark. You you watch that knob go all the way up to eleven in that, but being able to process all of that now as somebody who understands what kind of West Craven's mentality towards 
filmmaking and, you know, understanding a little bit more of the, the dumpster fire that is this world and all of that, you know, you, you, can kind of see the same kind of through line that's that's not horribly surprising to watch the same guy that makes you know last house on the left and and swamp thing and stuff like that making movies like scream and new nightmare and all that so for those of you that don't know Wes Craven is probably the most famous meta horror director that there is. I'm not sure there's somebody <laughs> more famous for doing meta horror than him. Was it, do you think that's safe to say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it'll be generations before we ever see someone kind of take that crown from him. Because while Radio Silence did a good job with the most recent scream, yeah, it it's still like you you can't while i will say like west would be proud i still feel like you can't ever take away like what he was able to bring commentary wise on what the slasher was uh slasher genre was at in the 90s when the first one came out what sequels looked like even what trilogies look like and then reboots and i, I just i'm curious to see where they're going to go with the next one uh part part six um but yeah, I, I think that's definitely safe to say that he's probably the most meta uh, horror director we've ever gotten. Yeah, I remember um, first time I ever saw New Nightmare, it was on TV. It was on TBS and um, or TNT, one of the two Turner uh, stations. And uh, they, I, I just, I remember being so enthralled at the idea that Freddy was in the real world, that they were, that they were crossing that boundary into bringing Freddy into the real world. And it, it was just this different, it just hit different for me because there's almost this, this, this line of separation, right? He's only in the dreams. He's only in, in that part of, but that part of reality and that's all movie and all of that. But like, no, no, yeah, they they did some they did some crossover where at moments they called Heather Langenkamp Nancy and and all of that and they started marrying those worlds a little bit but like no these are like the actual people and like Robert Inglude played himself in different at different points and things like that and like that to me is the those kinds of movies are the kinds of movies that walked so that way people like Radio Silence could run because anything that they do and even like movies like the strangers and stuff like that, that these movies that people herald as like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily like touching that part of horror because it's like a little bit too, too true to heart. Like I, I was a little bit younger than the main characters of scream when I saw it for the first time. But like, this was a, this was an example of like, so, some of our own just losing their minds and going on a killing spree. You know what I mean? And then you see the the copycat people based off of the movie and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. No, I I, I totally agree, man. Yeah. And so, you know, you look at you look at movies like this and and it's you know, I think I think movies like this are easy to kind of the the throw away by some because especially in in our community um it, you know i i know sometimes 
it's it's hard for for people that are that are Christian or that are like a little bit more lighthearted stuff. And you know, we talk a lot about things like Marvel and all of those kinds of things and and that kind of stuff. These movies kind of catch a bad rap, but you know, from from a cinematic standpoint, these are the movies that that really poke and prod and and dare to ask questions because they have that hint of realism. And then on the flip side, you have the original Nightmare on Elm Street, right? You have all of this stuff that looks a little bit more true to life, you know, even even back to Last House on the Left or The Hills Have Eyes, you know, The Hills Have Eyes kind of, I, I would argue, mar- marries those two worlds of being a little bit more of a creature feature mixed with nuance of you know, more of that true to life stuff. But you you have something like like Freddy, you know, I I I argue that without Freddy, you don't have a lot of even what came between Freddy and Scream. You know what I mean? It's almost like he went from high note to high note, revolutionizing the horror genre as a whole, and then giving us all of these blockbusters along uh, along the way that you know MTV Freddy and and Freddy's on literally everything and all of that kind of stuff. That's probably one of my favorite aspects of uh, just social commentary when you look at uh, New Nightmare. If you if you've never like don't know any of like how big Freddy Krueger got. In the late 80s, then uh, I highly recommend checking out uh, the Never Sleep Again documentary, which is a great documentary uh, because like just to kind of put this in perspective, when Freddy Krueger like actually died in the sixth installment, they actually hosted a funeral for him uh, and like they did billboards and like Freddy Krueger kind of like reached this like, I mean, he was a sensation like there's no other way to like really describe him there was there's no really other like horror icon that has ever kind of reached that status like yes you have you have cults like michael myers jason Voorhees, um charles lee ray and uh you know ghostface you have those those cults but they just stay as cult status freddie like really dominated and proved like you'd said like mtv like there's there's freddy rap out there there's like uh you know and like there's a scene in uh, new nightmare where uh nancy and well not nancy heather langenkamp and uh robert england are doing a talk show appearance and you just see children like in this like audience like actually cheering for freddy and it's such a a a meta moment but it's like that's a picture of like freddy krueger at his pinnacle height it's the reason why people are still clamoring for him to come back and uh you know wes craven created something that has unfortunately outlived him but i think again i think we're we've seen now the landscape of horror that this is a genre that is crafting uh storytellers that are more than capable to raise to the level and pay the respect and homage of uh what has come before it and that that, you know i i'm glad that you raised that point because and, and i'm glad that you gave the plug that you did at the beginning because you know in my opinion horror is a genre that produces some of the very best storytellers 
that are around. You know, yeah, sure. There's there's ton there's fantasy. There's there's tons of long in the tooth genres that produce perfectly fine uh, storytellers. But if you read enough things like fantasy and you read enough, you know, comics and different things like that, so much that comes out has a way of kind of being derivative in in a lot of respects but you look at something like something like freddy right you you have you have this this story that is loosely based on some real life events that freddy or that uh west craven had heard about of of uh people that were that were essentially dying in their sleep and, and all of that and you know, morphs it into this somewhat simple story that just catches fire through and, and through, honestly, despite themselves in a lot of respects, as far as New Line goes, because they really didn't do themselves a lot of favors going going forward. And, and he didn't really want to want to, you know, continue the franchise or anything like that. But like, it's it's stunning to me how this genre can can produce so many people that are just solidly good at telling a story. Well, I think too you you mentioned this earlier like the thing about horror is that it's so interlaced with specifically uh so many social commentaries. Yeah. And so like that's the reason why you know I a co-host i run a co i run a co-run a podcast with um my my co-host mark uh, of doing a biscazing because there's so many parallels that run where you can talk openly about uh mental health and horror and then on the the flip side of that you also have uh that's the reason why it's so easy for us to do a film festival that is being horror uh focused or sorry, horror centric, but mental health focused. And likewise, on the flip side of that, like even being a Christian, I find that like sometimes there are more open conversations that can be had in uh, horror about religion or religious and religious undertones or whatever you, however you want to say it, that they're they're attacking certain topics that I feel like the church even today won't won't address. And, uh, not to, I don't want to, that's like a whole nother podcast, but, uh, you know, for me, like, that's kind of the reason why I'm such a, a vocal defender of the horror genre, because it does get a lot of unfortunate bad reps within the church. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this kind of, this conversation started around the same time with a former co-host that was a part of VSG that when, when we talked about, um, uh, Scream 5 when that when that for when that came out and we started having these conversations peppered along the way and we talked about the um the uh halloween kills when that came out and and all of that kind of stuff and we started talking about these different horror topics and it had a way of um polarizing the fan base in certain regards not everybody was a big fan that we started talking about these things and sure. you know, I, I am I am of that same opinion that 
you know, let's let's go let's let's go ahead and, and swing that pendulum back the other direction for a minute and start talking about some of his more extreme stuff, right? Sure. Who else is out here openly talking about like these are things that yeah, it makes us uncomfortable because it's reality. Because it because there is a reality to it. And there's a reality to the fact that 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 some of these things they do happen. You know, yeah. Does somebody dress up in a white mask and and terrorize a, a a midwestern town? You know, every Halloween. No. Does a dream demon go around killing uh, teenagers in a in a particular? You know, no. But there are still themes and nuances to this that even if they make you uncomfortable, yeah, I'm not going to necessarily go watching those more extreme examples. But I. Uh, not honestly, because be, for the same reasons that you express, they're they're subject matter that just it hits a little close for home. I watched them, I checked it off the bucket list. It is what it is, and I move on with my life. But the reality is, is that that doesn't stop them from being very real topics that just don't get talked about. And that's that that what you're saying is something that is so unfortunately true even if it makes some people uncomfortable yeah and the uh the unfortunate thing about it is and like too i think you know coming from like a, a flip side because i i've also dealt with a lot of criticism for the fact that i have my i have tattoos like up and down all of my arms and so it's like even now like having old michael myers tattooed on my hand like i still like have those like occasional conversations that come through but i think a lot of it sometimes is just like a, a misunderstanding or uh, a lack of knowledge and no. that's oftentimes that like when i've engaged in ministry or like ministry opportunities like i want to educate people like the reason that i watch this stuff is to like openly discuss and like bring jesus to the horror community but also on the top also on the flip side of that is like i want to educate people and like have like really real conversations and like let them know that like hey you're not alone like in i think it's 2020 there was over uh 40 42,000 people that took their own lives for every successful one of those like there was 25 more that were being attempted suicide's currently the 12th leading cause of death in the in our country and then when you get into sort of like tying it back into the last house on the left there is when you talk about sexual assault there is so much injustice that happens there that i think the statistic if i remember correctly is like uh only 10 to 25 i could be wrong it's somewhere in that range um of all perpetrators actually uh 10 to 25 out of what every 1000 actually see the inside of a jail cell um right. and like every nine minutes a sexual assault victim happens to be a child uh you know it's these these very real topics that because they're uncomfortable we just don't want to address and uh jordan peele i think is a is a great modern um a storyteller that we get like nope uh nope 
get out us like here are topics that you know here are things that were evolving uh stories about racism how our society marginalizes people classism um the mental health and and uh how we view celebrities and like all of these these other like little things and uh you know jordan peele's presenting these very amazing narratives but he's also making us like look in the mirror at the same time right Right. And that's I would I would argue that that's where horror shines the brightest is when you can have somebody that can successfully do something like that where they are telling a story. Yeah, there is, you know, all of this is wrapped up in solidly good storytelling, but also is willing to hold the mirror up and is willing to, um, you know, get a little uncomfortable to be able to, to tell that story and to address the issue and all of that. And I love the way that you brought that out. You know, there was a, there was a, a litany, honestly, of conversations that took place that after, um, the, the latest Halloween, you know, Halloween 2018 was what it was, but Halloween kills, Really, like they very much specifically went to go, went went to try and recapture the idea of carnage candy, as a lot of people say. You know that blood, guts, and gore factor, and all of that. And and there was a lot of interesting conversations that popped up along the way of whether or not Christians should be having these, the whether should be watching these things. And I remember with with Scream Five, you know, with with that, I could I could separate myself a little bit from from the carnage because it was almost like you know it, it was so spectacle in nature that it just it, it it was easy to separate from in scream five in that practical effect that they did with wes in the next scene that they did oh dude i couldn't tell you the last time i was that uncomfortable watching watching a horror flick like i it had been a while since a movie made me that uncomfortable because it let you sit in it you know what i mean and and there were there were a lot of these conversations that i was able to have that ended up stemming into being able to show people jesus by way of talking about these things and and being able to incorporate these things and and have these things be the entry point into a much deeper conversation you know, all stemming from this guy that created, you know, yeah, we're not necessarily, you know, this this episode of 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 the drive-in is is a little bit different because this is a guy that that pumped out IPs that generated blockbusters over and over and over again. You know what I mean? And and you know, if you're willing to, if you're willing to get your hands dirty. If you're willing to sit and have those kinds of conversations, then yeah, this is a prime opportunity to be able to show people Jesus in in uh, in an area that so desperately needs it. Yeah, you you know, you're talking about like the the intersection between uh Wes Craven's career and, you know, even bringing up conversations to that lead to Jesus and to scripture, you know, even we brought up scream, but I mean like scream is like the idea of 
idolatry and the idea of, uh, you know, what happens when fandom goes wrong. But also at the same time, like if you've seen Scream, then you know that and and Scream 2, you know that the entire motivation for that particular killer in each their respective thing was vengeance and jesus talks specifically about like you know if you hate your uh brother in your heart you've already committed the act of murder and that's essentially what uh you see between those two films those four hours is the act of jesus talking about out of the uh mouth the heart flows yeah yeah and we we had a the the last time that I sat down for a for a drive in episode we were talking about uh, Superman two and we were talking about identity and the deeper themes and all of that kind of stuff and it's it, it's it's one thing you know we t- we we talk about a lot of the time on SG these exploring the deeper ideas behind a lot of these IPs, allowing for poking and prodding and pushing against the boundaries to, to ask those deep questions and, and explore things in, in a more nuanced way. And to me, specifically with, with Wes Craven's stuff, watching, watching all of his stuff as I've gotten older, it's almost like watching it with a new set of eyes. Now, yeah, five years ago, I ended up with a new set of eyes, air, air quotes. You know what I mean? When I had my salvation experience and, and all of that. And so, yes, it is a new perspective and things like that. But even beyond the Christian perspective, getting older and and now looking back on it, having experienced all of the things that I've experienced in my life, it's it's like watching all of these things with with a with a fresh set almost like for the first time because I'm able to pull out those those different things those deeper things you know I'm so glad that you talked about you know the idolatry piece specifically because even through the the newer ones that that seem to be a little bit more more um divided in whether or not they're considered good or not you look at you look at scream 4 and scream 5 yeah they're they're literally all, all about idolatry they're literally all about vengeance and these are real things that people that people experience and so yeah maybe sometimes it takes something fantastical to be able to at least start the conversation and at least be able to start to explore these deeper topics and that's true right across the board yeah i also want to bring up another like great example of like misunderstanding um because like I fell into this camp for, for years is like, you know, because the church of like, when it comes to like demonology or like, you know, hell, like those also seem to be taboo topics, oddly enough. Uh, and uh, a couple of years ago, like I, I ended up like actually sitting down to read the exorcist and mm-hmm. like what I found in reading that book and like rewatching the movie is that I think that, you know, that particular piece of media gets like, oh, this is about a girl that gets possessed and she does, you know, really terrible, awful things. And like when you read it, it's like this is actually about a story of a priest who loses his mother and he's trying to like find out like why he believes what he believes. 
And for anyone that has been in the faith for such a long period of time, I feel like that's such a relatable thing that like we we don't ever want to talk about or we don't ever want to address because it's like, well, you know, we're always supposed to believe like we're always supposed to be honest. Like, no, dude, like I have days where like I don't hear from God. I question like is my entire like faith up to this point like even worth it? Has it been like legitimate? And then like. I have this like David moment where like I'm reminded of like all the good that God has done me. And it's like, even when I feel like David crying out in Psalm 69, like I'm still going to rejoice because I know that like there are days where I don't hear from you. I, I don't feel moved by you. And that's okay. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like uh, I love the line from Waymaker that talks about like, even when I can't see you moving or even when I can't feel you moving, you never stop. And that is such a a beautiful reminder. And, you know, I think the sometimes you you need those those reminding that reminded reminder that like it's going to be okay. Yeah, there's oh, there's so much with what you just said. Um, You know, the the reality of this world is and and I say this on on my main project a lot um, over at at Buddy Walk, um, you know, when i when i am when i am preaching or evangelizing or whatever you want to call it over there when i'm talking to people and pastoring people and all of that i hear all of these stories right if you are if you are somebody that 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 ministers to people a lot of the time you will hear sto- you will hear some of the most heartbreaking stories and you look at that and you know for so many people i just I wish, oh, I wish that I could, I wish I could take it all away. I wish I could cupcake it and say that, say that following Jesus makes all of that okay. And I look at my life and I, and I look at the things that I have been through and, 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 you know, I, I have hit this point of, I cannot negotiate my way out of the fact that this life is hard. And for those of us that sit here and talk about it, I think it's easy sometimes for the mis- misconception to get to get born that, you know, if we if we have the faith to stand and talk about it and to be so resolute about it, then we must not ever face rocky ground or moments of doubt and all of those kinds of things. Let me tell you something. I, you know, I make the joke that on the days where you hear me talking a lot about apologetics and things like that, you can pretty solidly understand that those are the days where I'm, I'm, my brain is going in, in every single direction. You know what I mean? Like, I just want something to tell me that this, that, that, that everything that I've put my stock into, everything that I've put my, my belief in is, is real is is true and all of that and those days absolutely come and then we have these moments of being reminded like you said that yeah yeah that this this is it's it it is all real it is all you know it's it's everything that that it claims to be and one of the most beautiful things that i have found you know i think sometimes we we wait for god to come in and remove the giants or slay the giants from our lives and all of that. No, sometimes the giants are going to knock you on your backside. And the fact that we can look at in our own lives, in media, in whatever to, to these, 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 
uh, horrific truths about this reality, about this world that we live in, about this 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 fallen world that we live in. And we can then say, in the midst of all of that, the one thing that we can hang our hat on is Jesus. Yeah, that's that's beauty. That's where you can take a step back. In in my opinion. Yeah, and like even to like bring it back to to Craven, like I feel like sometimes it's really easy to relate to like uh you know whether you're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, you're talking about New Nightmare, both Nancy and Heather kind of go through this like gaslighting phase where you you're like questioning the very things that you're like eyes are seeing or like the things that you're experiencing and then you kind of finally come face to face with it. One of my favorite things about uh, the A Nightmare on Elm Street is I've gone back and forth with it over the years, but the the very ending of that is like how she gets victory is like, I'm just going to turn my back on you and I'm going to strip you of the power. So when we partner with spirits like depression and anxiety and addiction and, you know, it, anger, you know, put ever, put whatever any spirits that are not of God uh, that rob us of our purity, like we have, our, we have the power through Jesus to not only take every thought captive and make it obedient to Him, but also at the same time, like it reminds us that our our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, principles, and principalities and rulers of the heavenly realm that like the the thing of that paul says in in ephesians 6 10 is to be strong in the lord and in his strength and it's really easy to like say i i can't feel it keep pressing be encouraged to keep pressing because god never leaves us he never forsakes us and uh romans says that uh you know nothing separates us from the love of god as they say that'll preach um, so I want to round it. Uh, I want to round it off with um, a little bit of fan casting. So we've we what a time to be a horror fan, right? We are looking right. at the third installment of Halloween. We're looking at another new Scream movie coming out. All of that. The one remake that we have yet to see that fans seem to be clamoring for is Nightmare on Elm Street. So. Who do you cast as Freddy? I want to pick like a really like just left field choice. And uh, my, my like if you're going for a younger like uh, like I say younger, but like probably like middle aged uh, man, I, I'm going to say Kevin or not, not Kevin Bacon's obviously on that list for like an older, more mature like season. Not quite as old as Robert England yet, uh, but honestly, uh, Adam Scott. I think Adam Scott could uh he's he's got the gravity to to play like really good dramatic roles but also at the same time he is uh has a lot of that charisma and say what you will about it I know it's like it's got its followers I'm I'm kind of here nor there on it but Hellraiser Bloodlines shows us that he can play a menacing villain yeah, I mean, I think that's categorically true. Regardless of how you feel about the movie itself, that movie definitely shows that that he can play a menacing villain. Yeah, I so this is this is uh a hot take for some for some horror fans, but I think Bill Skarsgård cut a dirty hand in with the new It movies. I think those It movies they're fine. They're fine. But they're they 
they literally watched where the 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 90s version went off the rails and decided to go exactly off the rails in the exact same spot rather than turn the ship um but i think throughout that whole thing he showed such a range to be able to be scary but also be the kind of charismatic that you need to be in order to be freddy um you know yeah kevin bacon i understand i see it i eh, i'm not the biggest <laughs> kevin bacon fan so you know i i understand where but i understand why he's probably the closest that you get to Robert England without just bringing him back, which I absolutely do not think that they should do. But yeah, I I think that Bill Skarsgård, if I had to guess, or if I had to if I had to go go with somebody, would be my pick. So we always round it off with um, some recommendations. So let the people know what you are geeking out on right now and what kind of recommendations for anything you have for the people. Uh, yeah. So I am right now, I, man, I feel like I can't recommend the thing that I'm like, uh, that I am currently reading right now because it's, it's, it's out there. Uh, it's, it's a wild ride. It's all I'm going to say. Um, but I, I right now, like the thing that like I've been geeking out about, I've been kind of like stepping back from horror and I've actually been jumping into the bring it on franchise. Um, there are things about that franchise that I don't recommend, but if you, uh, if you grew up in the, the early aughts, you, you know about it. So, uh, but keeping in line with, uh, with this one, I want to recommend, uh, some underappreciated movies in Craven's cat, uh, catalog. And I will definitely say swamp thing is definitely one of them. New nightmare and, uh, cursed. So you got one from every, uh, every decade. Yeah, those are those are great examples. So, uh, and for me, I uh, my recommendation is um, you know if if you never have you know go back and and watch some of some of the classics. If you, if it's something that you can handle, you know definitely go back and watch some of the classics that we've that that we've mentioned here because it's one of those things that. When you watch them, you will be able to, especially if you are a cinephile or, you know, a movie lover, that sort of thing, you will be able to see the fingerprints that that these movies left throughout cinema going forward. You know what I mean? You'll be able to see those kinds of evidence points all over the place once you see these classics. So one last time, go ahead and uh, plug your stuff. Sure. So you guys, uh, victims and villains.net or link tree victims and villains, just Google that. Uh, but basically that'll get you guys links to all of our, uh, social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. You guys can, uh, check out all of our podcasts. We have a generalized pop culture podcast. It's called victims and villains. Uh, we have a, uh, horror podcast called abyss gazing and we have a Nicholas cage podcast called that's high praise. And then uh, every uh, the end of the year, beginning of the year, we also have an anime podcast called Animind. Um, all of those are on the same feed. Just search Victims and Villains wherever you guys get your Facebook, uh, your 
not your uh, podcast from. Uh, you guys can follow us. We're on, um, like I said, all social medias, all Patreon, all podcast platforms. Um, but if you guys would like more to get involved more with what we're doing right now, um, we currently have a GoFundMe up for all of our uh, 2023 efforts, including our nonprofit transition, and then as well um, support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash victims and villains. Well, thank you for joining us and thank all of you for listening to another installment of the SG Drive-In. And remember that we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.